Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. I'm lonely here at this table. I've got some whiskey to share and I'm angry. My bridges are falling and friends. Welcome to episode one of How I Quit Alcohol. Today is pretty special because it's the first episode, but also I've got in the studio with me my wonderful husband and sober buddy, Ash Grunwald. Hi, Ash. Hi, thanks for having me. So I guess we should begin on how we began our sober journey two and a half years ago, pretty much to the day today. Yeah. Well, I should thank you for bringing me on this journey. And it all started, of course, with drinking too much. But then when you said that you were going to quit because you decided, because our friend Lisa had decided to do a year without drinking, you decided to quit. And I thought, oh, well, how can I say no? Because I drink more than you. At first, I thought that was absolutely crazy, but it worked out to be the best thing that we ever did. Yeah. So I think uh, a good place to start is, yeah, just that uh, before... Lisa had suggested that or, or said that she was taking 12 months off, we had pretty much got into that pretty full-on cycle of binge drinking on the weekends. And I certainly wasn't a get-up-in-the-morning-and-drink-alcohol type of person, nor were you. But definitely, I mean, I could also at times go for weeks and weeks without drinking, At you being a musician, constantly surrounded by alcohol. And um, you'd come home from tour, we'd get a bottle of wine, get another bottle of wine and another bottle of wine and then some whiskeys, whatever. <laughs> and, you know, ended up getting fairly wasted and usually have a fight <laughs> or ring someone and talk for too long or, you know, just have these crazy binges. And also not always when you just got home from tour, you'd be doing that away on tour. And I'd be doing it sometimes at home just from being lonely. And um, it was just getting too much. It was getting too much. And the 
binging was getting much more intense. So I was finding, I'm not sure about you, but I know I was finding myself waking up often in the morning and couldn't remember the night before. It was really affecting my self-esteem. It was affecting so much of my life, but I, I didn't realize that. Oh, I, I guess I knew because I would always wake up after drinking and think that's it. I'm not drinking anymore. I've had enough. And, you know, I'd sort of swear off it for two weeks and then the same thing would happen again. And oh, I just end up really hating myself for it. And um, I wanted to give up so desperately, but there were so many things stopping me. So yeah, when Lisa said that, it was a great opportunity to just go, okay, we're taking 12 months off. That's it. So where, I mean, that's how I felt about my drinking. Where were you with yours? Like how, how did you feel about yourself with your drinking? Well, I feel like it affected my confidence a lot because from binge drinking and feeling like I was, that I got feeling like something that was true, that I got too drunk too often. That was my main problem with it. But what I didn't realize now that I look back on it is I was drinking so often as well, like always at airports. I was always in airports, in those lounges. I was drinking on the plane. I was drinking when I got back to Bali when we lived there or when we lived here in Australia, probably drinking socially and then drinking at my job gigging um so it was pretty constant but it wasn't the constant thing the constant thing wasn't good that was more of a health thing but it was i don't know i felt fit as well and i didn't feel like that was the problem it was the getting drunk that was the problem and um i guess i fell into something with music where i was doing it just getting trying to get a mild shine on before i got on stage to be at the right level and that level as I binged more over the years, then the level of the shine was more drinks to get that shine. I feel like if you like drinking, you really get into it. You never really slow down. Some people have that I've seen, but not many. Not many people slow down. I think you more either quit one day because it all gets too much or you just just go to be a full-blown you know, our key. So I don't know. For me, I feel like it was the best thing that we ever did was making that year commitment. And I do think that the year time frame is a really good time frame because we know like with um, our friends Scotty and Claire that quit, they quit for up to five months. But then when they started again, they were just back to exactly how they used to um, drink. And I feel like the good thing that we did was that 12-month time period. And we were going to start again. Remember, we thought we'd go for a white Christmas in Canada. And we thought, mm. oh, yeah, I'll be drinking. I was thinking, yeah, I'll be drinking by the fire in Canada. But then by the time it came around, you know, so many things in our lives had improved so much and our level of happiness was so much higher and we'd achieved so much more and we'd really started to reflect on actually how bad we were we realized once we got out of it that we just felt like i just want to keep this going and um i started to find not drinking fun <laughs> mm. it's really hard to describe but i really got into it the challenge maybe i'll just go back to who, how you said uh scotty and claire they're also friends of ours that joined in on this so they'd previously done five months off alcohol and started up again and were back to binge drinking. So they also decided to join in with us on New Year's Day when we decided to take this 12-month pact with Lisa. The interesting thing about the um, the music industry, I was we were talking about this the other day, is it's one of the only jobs 
where you're expected to drink and that you turn up to your job and there's just this alcohol laid out for you, all sorts of alcohol. And I remember you telling me that you were on tour in Spain at that stage, you weren't drinking and the promoter was kind of cross with you for not drinking. So it really is part of the job and it's really hard for musicians in particular to not drink and um, it's scary really. And you see the young one, the younger musicians coming up now and I see them drinking backstage and I really worry for them, you know, because it progressively got worse for you over the years, didn't it? I remember when we first got together 20 years ago, you didn't drink much. Mm. And then as the years went by, it, it, you know, had definitely you know, become a problem. And when did you ever feel like that you had a problem? Oh, many times at many different levels I did, actually. When I, I, I think I always, um, I always worried about it a little bit, but then it's just like, yeah, probably the last 10 years of it, I was like, oh, I think I'm drinking too much. Oh, well. You know, and there's this never-ending cycle um, that happens where you try to moderate. Um. And for people who are listening to this and thinking, yeah, I'm drinking too much, what I really need to do is moderate because you just can't imagine not drinking. I have to tell you that from my experience of trying a few different things, moderating is one of the hardest things to do if you become a binge drinker who loves the feeling of being drunk. And then maybe occasionally you lie to yourself and say, no, 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 you know, I I don't like the feeling of being drunk or I like just uh, that couple of drink high, but I don't like being drunk. But alcohol is really one of the few drugs that like if you have a joint and then you just keep smoking joints and you get too stoned, you won't want to just keep going with it. But say with alcohol, you have a couple of sips. Yes, it is a nice social drink and oh, you got a slight little buzz on. But if you've got that full on personality, one drink becomes another. We all know the story. The reason that's a common story isn't because everybody's just so lame and they're just so uncontrolled. It's more that that's the nature of the drug, that that's what alcohol does. The more drunk you get, the more drinks you have, the more drunk you get, the more you feel like drinking. It's quite easy to be just having a good time and then wake up in the morning and then just like, oh, why did I drink so much? I've done it again. And you always feel... I. Anybody listening to this, I would want you to realize that the natural tendency is to blame yourself and you think, oh, that's taking responsibility for my actions. But that's very disempowering sometimes because what the, the agent in this equation that you take the blame away from is alcohol. If you make that transition and start to blame the alcohol more than you blame yourself, you might actually get a better result rather than the guilt cycle and trying to regulate your drinks blame the drug and um you know you might get a better result that way yeah that's so true because i think with a lot of us and a lot of my friends who are still caught in that cycle that cycle of feel guilty swear off it drink again binge again feel guilty and it's this awful cycle that us that we all go through we've all gone through or people are going through they kid themselves though that the alcohol is their friend and they're going to miss their friend and i've spoken to friends who have said, I would love to do this, what you did, but I just really, you know, I just need to have that glass of wine by the fire or I need to, you know, I'd miss it. I really would miss it. It, it's, it does so much for me and it doesn't actually do anything for you. And the, the sooner you can realize that you're actually giving yourself a gift by getting rid of it, you're not taking something away, you're giving yourself something, it makes all the difference in your mind. And when you start to blame alcohol instead of yourself, 
it's really powerful. And I think that's where that's where things started to change for me too. When I, I realized it wasn't actually me, it's just this alcohol, it's alcohol's fault. And um, you can flick the blame over there and it's, it's actually really empowering and you stop hating yourself so much. And we go, I'm just going it, to, it's almost like repeating it, but I just want to say that we normally, if some people hear what we're saying here, that sounds wrong. I realize that sounds wrong because we get taught, oh, don't blame the drink for your bad behavior. We're not talking about, we're not talking about not putting your hand up for things that you've done wrong or, or, or anything like that. But it's just like attribute the blame to the thing that is causing it, you know. And if you do that, you'll see life more as it is because it doesn't really suit anyone, say, in the alcohol industry or in society in general when we're encouraged to drink so much. It doesn't suit anyone for you to blame the drug. It suits everyone for you to blame yourself so that they can, you know, keep pushing this thing of responsible drinking and and then you put the onus back on yourself. And if you're a binge drinker, you're just going to keep in the same cycle. Just also bearing in mind that we're not talking, probably this podcast is not really even relevant for those people who do just have a couple of drinks and never binge drink. You know, um, it doesn't really apply to you because you do drink responsibly, but for for those of us caught in that cycle, that's who this is really aimed at. Remember, like, I remember feeling so jealous of those people that, ooh, whoops, they slipped up and had a, a bender, you know, once a year at a Christmas function. And you're like, wow, God, I'd love to be that person. Mm. And I wrote a blog post the other day where I was saying that in my 20s, I thought that people that could have just one drink or two drinks were boring. And in my 30s, I just envied them so Mm. much because I just could not, you know, sometimes I could. And I'd set boundaries for myself, um, one drink per hour or just two drinks. Or I remember you had that ash for a while, Mm. just two drinks, two beers at a gig. Hmm. or whatever and it's it's so hard to moderate <laughs> if you've got that personality where you tend to just go for it it's very hard to moderate where some people can do it absolutely but some of us just can't do it i remember reading in um in a book you know that whole notion of oh you've got an addictive personality they said that's not really helpful you know you can see it in a more positive way and it can be a bit more empowering. If you are a person with a big personality who loves to do the things that you love and you just really get into life and you're quite full on, then you are a definite, you mixing with alcohol will probably end in binging. And then if you keep doing that, you'll probably end up drinking too much in general. If you take that personality and you take alcohol away, you're going to start being like that in other areas of your life that are positive. And that's what we found. Binging on wellness. Yeah, we started <laughs> binging on wellness. I binged on Wayne Dyer. <laughs> that's one person I really binged on. And yeah. o- and Oprah. I think I binged on Oprah. <laughs> yeah, we just got... We just got we did get high on life and um, start doing so many positive things. Like you started doing stuff with your business and I wrote a book and did an album and we were just busy, busy, busy. Yeah. And I think um, we were talking about this the other day as well, that what did you say? Nature doesn't like a vacuum mm. and you have to replace. Like if you pull a tree or, or a plant out of your garden, it's going to leave a hole, which will then um, a weed will grow, come and grow in that place. But you need to fill it with something else. You need to put something else good there. So part of the of 
of us in that, it's particularly that first six months to eight months, there had, we had to replace it with something else. So whether it's you're walking or you're listening to lots of podcasts like this. Oh, that's one thing I did too. I listened at nighttime um, to AA podcasts. And, um, and I found that really, I just liked it. I liked listening to other people's stories and how bad they got and how they got over it or if they'd relapsed or I just found it super, I don't know, there was something about it. And I guess I've never been to an AA meeting or anything like that, but I imagine that camaraderie, which is probably why we're doing this podcast as well. But that, that helped. And I got really into a lot of self-help stuff like Wayne Dyer, listening to a lot of Oprah's podcasts and I really took it on board, Tony Robbins or any, anything good that I could put in that reaffirmed to me that, and that helped me kind of love myself because I'd been so down on myself for so long about it and my self-esteem was so fucked from the years of drinking that I needed to build myself up again. And um, yeah, that and that then led on to doing gratitude journals where we did or we'd write our I am's like I am, I am this, I am that in positive affirmation stuff, which sounds really cuckoo, but it really worked. So for you, Ash, what did you, what part of the journey did you find hard, if any? So we've, you know, taken the 12 month thing, we've woken up on New Year's Day. I remember thinking, oh, fuck, are we actually doing this? Well, yeah, that was interesting for Scotty and I because we woke up with hangovers and went straight to do a gig together and it was a new year's gig and everybody was getting wasted just not in a bad way just having a good time is what what we all call a good time and my dad was at that gig didn't and he your came? dad my drinking buddy your yeah. dad he came and saw said you know hi and i told him what i was up to and he's like oh that's good you know and that was the first time i hadn't had a beer with your dad and um, yeah, and then I went into the su- summer season festivals and gigs, which was really a baptism of fire. I played wineries. I played some really Aussie gigs like the sort of Red Hot Summer Tour, I think it was called, or one of those kind of things that Barnsey was headlining, which those kind of things you think of as sort of party things, um, drinking things. And yeah, that was a baptism of fire, but that was good for me to go straight into that. So how did you, what did you do? Like when you got there, you got there, you got to the gig, the booze is there. You must have had, just out of um, conditioning, you must have had an urge to drink. So did you? And what did you do? Drinking was my ritual before every gig. And um, if I normally rocked up to a gig and there wasn't a rider, I've I've always super mellow about things. But if there wasn't alcohol there, I'd be like, this is an outrage. (laughs) (laughs) how can they, it's unmusical. How can they expect us to play without alcohol? And so it got to the point where if we did council gigs or we did the, you got to get to know certain festivals. If we did festivals where there wasn't going to be alcohol, we would stop at the bottle and stock up with the right. If they're not going to be civilized, we're going to be civilized and make sure we've got the right drinks. <laughs> so that's how I'd been. Um, so then I'd gone to the absolute opposite. But do you know, it was absolutely hilarious because. As soon as I made the decision that I wasn't a drinker anymore for a year, I actually didn't find it that hard to jump on stage and play. You know, at first, the first song was hard. But very quickly, after almost 20 years of drinking at gigs, very quickly, once I'd gone, right, I'm not drinking, and it was never in my mind, oh, maybe I'll weaken. That that just never came into my mind because I knew, no, I've made a commitment. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's that. And um I didn't want to let anyone else down in our group. And um I wasn't going to change it. That was really relaxing because then suddenly at every turn, I wasn't making a decision. Will I, I won't I drink? I'd already made the decision. So it was quite relaxing. And that's why I would recommend to anyone if they think they're drinking too much. It seems extreme and you feel like you can't break up with alcohol. But if you give yourself a year, it is so relaxing. You never have to have that bullshit of thinking, oh, did I have too much or, oh, will I not drink at this party or whatever? You're just like, I don't drink. And in in a couple of, um, it was only a couple of weeks in, I heard my sound guy, they were asking him, um, oh, what, you know, what does he want for the rider? And he said, oh, Ash doesn't drink. And I was like, wow, what? I don't drink. <laughs> Ash doesn't drink? What? You know, I was used to, I had been just explaining the whole deal to who anyone anyone who had listened, but I, I realized when I heard him say it, oh, it's simple. You just say, I don't drink. It's no big deal. So did you find, so that sounds like you'd made the decision in your head. I know I definitely got to different points that I found challenging. Um, so you didn't find anything, you didn't find it challenging or? I don't I just think it's a matter of um, perspective. I know, like, I, I probably sound like I'm trying to almost avoid the question or whatever, but, like, I'm not. I think I found it challenging, but I, I just had this attitude. I think I heard this Jim Rohn thing. I'm going to have to look it up. He's, a, like, an old-school self-help guy, and he had this speech. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to try and find it, maybe leave it as a link where he's like, it's easy, you know, and, like, he talked through this this concept of it's easy. Like, I think he was talking about quitting alcohol. Or quitting cigarettes. Quitting cigarettes is easy. Just don't put one in your mouth. But I had this attitude, like, even if you feel like a drink, that's fine. Just don't drink one. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, you're not losing if you feel like a drink. That's fine to feel like a drink. Just don't put one in your mouth. (laughs) Um, And that's all I was thinking. So, I really feel like once we'd made that decision, for me, it really eased any suffering because I just thought, oh, I don't drink anymore. I Yeah, I'm probably making it sound easier than it actually, maybe at some stages it was harder than I remember. But I just had my objectives in my mind and I just was never going to break that. As we were saying before too, the 12 months that we thought, well, we'll do this for 12 months. We give ourselves a really good break. And I guess we kind of just, what did think we thought much past beyond that i think we thought we'd get to the 12 i remember even at the 10 month mark feeling like oh good when we get to christmas um i'm going to have a, a glass of wine even though it's just a little bit before new year's eve and i kept thinking that right up until christmas and then christmas came and i thought about it and i thought there is no way i'm not going back there because i felt 
I'd done so much work on myself and I felt so good. I can't describe the difference of how I felt within myself and definitely was a combination of the quitting alcohol, of course, and then all the other good stuff that I was putting in, the stuff I was reading and what you know, the gratitude journals and everything that I was doing. But I knew that if I went back and just talking to other f- people as well that had quit, I think once you've been a binge drinker, you can't kid yourself that you think you can go back and just have one or two. Maybe some people can do that. I don't know anyone that has. Like everyone I know that's had a good chunk of time off goes back and pretty much if they're a full-on binge drinker, eventually gets back to that. And I was too scared to go back to that. Mainly too, we've got two young girls and our little, you know, our oldest daughter, Sunny, had started to see to see some of the behaviours um, of when we were drinking. She still remembers some of them. And I thought, I don't want her to grow up like that. I don't want her to grow up, you know, um, afraid of when we're going to be drinking or what's going to happen or is is mum going to be acting silly or, or, you know, all those things. And I just didn't want it anymore. So, I mean, if once you really realise that and you get that really in, in your gut, like that I don't want to go back there, I'll do anything not to go back there. Um, that always overrode the triggers for me. So if I was feeling really triggered, which at times I was, which I'll go into in other podcasts, I guess. But um, I just really relied on that feeling of not wanting to go back there. It's just not. It just wasn't worth it for me. It was a, and I'd gone so far that it just wasn't negotiable. And you never really. When did you decide that you were not going to go back? Um, I think it's a, when, I don't know, along that way, yeah, the same with me, like, it really emerged thinking about some times of drinking really heavily, especially if the kids see you like that, and you're like, oh my god, I mean, that's something you never want, and just to think, the relief of knowing that you're never going to get drunk, I mean, to me, that's... Amazing. I wouldn't trade that. Um, Especially as your kids get older, because I see Sunny now, you know, she always wants to have a sip of my coffee because she thinks it's cool because it's what the adults are doing. And I know that that would have been quite possibly alcohol if, and then they go down the same road. Um, And I just think it's best that they have all the information that they can. And yeah. So, and and not not go as far as we went. So I just feel like it's a really good relief. And the other thing I wanted to mention is the things that alcohol fills in for, that's one thing I massively noticed. Like, you know, originally for me on stage, it sort of got me in the zone, got me sort of free. Um, I could be wild on stage if I had a few drinks in me and that kind of thing. All those things... Eventually, it takes away those very things Um, and you keep chasing the dragon trying to have alcohol to bring those things back and it's the same if you just enjoy times in a barbecue or anything that's good in life that you think comes from alcohol. All those things that you think come from alcohol, alcohol steals those things from you. Mm. So, the good times, the laughing, you know, like, you know, at the furthest extreme, people who are just really drunk, they're not of people who are drunks, they're not really enjoying it anymore, you know. So when I took alcohol out, 
this is the funniest thing. You know, I spent a lot of my life touring around. You're always tired. You always arrive at venues, load in, you know, it's quite, there's a lot of drudgery involved. And I have found myself over the last two years to be so much more chirpy when I'm even tired. And I never would have guessed that. And I didn't really guess what alcohol was sort of, it was just seeping away at my happiness. And I did not realize that. I mean, I never, I thought I was happy. Um, I thought I was happy apart from this monkey on my back, but I didn't think it made me specifically unhappy, just maybe guilty that I was getting too drunk. But actually, even my general happiness, it was gnawing away at it. And um, I find myself more chirpy, more spontaneous, more in the zone on stage um, than ever with alcohol. And I, I never expected that to happen. Yeah, I think it's the same thing with friends, like friendship groups. Like I was saying earlier, I used to find people that moderated quite boring when I was younger. Um, and I couldn't, I thought my friends that I drank with all the time were the be all and end all and the bee's knees. And I have to say that I barely see them anymore, those people. And people that I was sort of worried that wouldn't want to be friends with me anymore kind of just fell off naturally anyway. The people that I'm that I gravitate towards now, non-drinkers, you, but not always non-drinkers. Just I gravitate to anyone, and I, I don't preach to my friends. I don't try and make them not drink. If people come over and they want to bring alcohol, that's fine. Um, we don't have a problem with that. But the you think sometimes when you're drinking that you have this big. I know in my family, my family get-togethers, what big alcohol events. You know, Neil Diamond, D&Ms, telling each other we love each other. That was how I got, you know, that was a positive reinforcement almost. And I thought I couldn't have real conversations with people unless I was drunk. That is so much bullshit because now I actually have, well, for one, I can remember my conversations with people, but I actually have meaningful conversations, good conversations, and I go much deeper with people now and it's so much more authentic now that I'm sober and the friendships that I've made now that the post alcohol is so much deeper and so much more meaningful and they're friends that I see all the time it's not conditional on me bringing a bottle of wine with me it's not like you know there's none of that it's just like they're friends with me because they're friends with me and who I am and that was a really big part of the journey for me. And that's one I know some people worry about that stuff, if their friends will still like them or not. But I, t- I'm, I just absolutely trust me on this, that you'll that might happen. And if they only liked you because of your alcohol, you know, because of how much you drank, they're not really out for your best interest anyway. And you'll make better friends. You just will. And that was that's one thing. So... You think you can't perform on stage without drinking or you think you need the confidence, but you get so much more confidence without it mm. that, you know, and also confident in like making new friends. Mm. Totally, totally. And um, we we probably sound like we're on some uh, missionary deals <laughs> kind of spiel here. But just bear in mind that we are, um, you know, this is directed... We're still cool people. (laughs) (laughs) This is directed at fellow binge drinkers. um, And if you don't find yourself in that category, then maybe this doesn't mean anything. Or if you just are still stuck in the throes of it, um, it might sort of almost offend you that we're messing with your best buddy, alcohol. But 
I did realize that after a while, maybe at the three month mark, I started to realize, oh my God, <laughs> I thought you were my best buddy alcohol. And now I'm looking back and now I'm, it's just starting to, your tentacles are withdrawing from my veins now. And I'm starting to realize, oh, you would just sort of laugh at me in this cycle as I would suffer, you know, and pretend you were my friend, you know. And so I feel so happy to be free from it. Does that mean that no, that to have a few drinks and have a laugh and whatever is like not a thing and we don't acknowledge that it's a thing? Of course it's a thing. Of course it's there's elements of drinking that are fun. That's how you got into it. You know, I, I would never want to sit, sit here and just like deny that. But um, it's when you weigh it up, it's it's a whole life that you live. And I, I feel like it's part of getting in your 40s too. You've been an adult for 20 years. Mm. And then those fun times or whatever those fun times uh, come with, the baggage starts to catch up. And, you know, we were, we were worried about drinking in our early 20s. And um, I think the guy who said this on the Central Coast, Sinkers, he said, when you're young, you drink from the bottle when... When you're old, the bottle drinks from you. <laughs> mm-hmm. I always loved that, and I ended up putting it in a song. Um, but I think it's true. I think you know, also drinking and partying and having a good time in that sense is one thing at one age, and it's another at another. And I think alcohol consumption is a cumulative thing. So when you when you become a veteran of it, that's when things start to change a little. And it gets to like we're forty three now. I think it does get to a point where. It- when you're 43 and you're still binge drinking, it's kind of, it's not that cool anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little, it's a bit sad, you know. So, but um, we'll probably wrap it up shortly. But I've got a website, um, www.iquitalcohol.com.au. And um, I'll have a blog post up there and I'll be posting lots of stuff on how we quit, what we did. Um, and you can just jump on and have a read. You can send me an email at um, howiquitalcohol at gmail.com. Um, you know, and there's there's lots of, yeah, there'll be lots of good little tips in there on, on how we got through and what we did. One good thing that we did too is having this group that we started as a group, Lisa and, and Matt, Lisa, whose idea it was, they fell off at about the three-month mark. Um, I'll probably get Lisa on to at some point to talk about that. Um, but Scotty and Claire, our other friends, they stuck with it. We had a group on WhatsApp. It's a, the, the phone app thing. We had a group. It was called Club Sober. And that was really awesome because we had each other to be accountable to. So if you want to go on this journey, I really recommend doing it with someone. It's great that um, I could, Ash and I could do it together because it would be kind of hard, I think, doing it um, on your own if your partner's not doing it. But I've got friends that have done it um, and their partner didn't and, you know, that's worked for them. Um, But anyway, so we had this WhatsApp group, Club Sober, and if we had something we were going to, like we'd be going out somewhere, say, to a party, and I'd jump on the WhatsApp group and go, guys, oh, I'm a bit nervous about this or, you know, or today I'm sort of feeling like it. I remember there was one day in Margaret River. This is probably my biggest – it was probably about the six-month mark. And I thought it was fine and I was just home cooking at my friend Corley's house one day and – I just wanted a red wine so bad and I actually drove to the shop. I think I bought some to put in the food I was cooking and I just, I could smell it. I wanted it. I was pissed off that I couldn't have it and I was that close and so I got on the club sober quickly and I I text and I think Claire messaged me back straight away and it's just like, don't do it. 
you know, blah, 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 blah. They talk me through, go have a glass of water, go sit outside, go take a few deep breaths. You'll be fine. You're not fucking doing this. And I didn't do it. And I woke up the next day too, just so grateful that I didn't do it, but so grateful for this, these friends that um, were there to support me. And it was, it's really helpful. And I guess that's probably like in the AA thing with they have a sponsor, probably a similar thing, but it really helps to have that. Did you find it helpful, Ash? Totally, totally. And I think that's the reason that we say that you have to do, I think there's a lot of wisdom that we learned in having to do that is because it's not like if we had, if you had that one wine, then you're going to just start sculling bottles and it, we're not worried about that, like just going crazy straight away. Or maybe, <laughs> maybe we would do that, actually, be, knowing us, we might. <laughs> but there's another more insidious thing than that. It's like you probably get back and handle it and just go on one or two and kid yourself for another couple of weeks, maybe another couple of months. But the general tendency is that eventually you'll be back to where you were and to why you wanted to quit. And most people that we've ever talked to have kind of ended up back at that spot. So if anybody's out there is really worried about it and think that they can just moderate, I think mm, it's going to be really hard. You're going to be having to make decisions constantly. There's just so much mental fatigue involved in moderating if you're not somebody who likes to moderate naturally. Yeah, I think so too. But, you know, some, I'm not saying it's, that it's impossible be done, yeah. because I'm sure there is people out there that have done it. I, can't, I think you kind of get to know yourself. You want to be that person. I had visions of myself being that person, but there's always, it always comes back. It always come, that's what it did for me. But, um, yeah, so, look, I think this has been a great chat. <laughs> and I hope, I hope that we've inspired someone out there today or made a bit of a difference. And um, like I said, jump on the website, have a read of the blog. We're going to have lots of content. Got some, we'll have Scotty and Claire on here on the podcast talking to them. Yeah, I'm hoping that this will inspire you to make a change, a positive change for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? 
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.